We are closing up our study in Deuteronomy. We're not finishing Deuteronomy today. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 12. We're going to look at the last few verses in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Next week, we're going to start a study of uh, Titus, uh, three whole chapters in Titus. We'll see how long it takes me to wade through that. Um, not Well, hopefully, hopefully, I'll, I'll wet your whistle to go beyond it here today because really, to, to just wade into it, you're going to go, ah. But to have the foundation of the first 12 chapters really opens up the remaining, the rest of the book. Um, so, and I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully leave you with that appetite uh, there. Maybe we'll come back to it sometime. Uh, last time we ended in verse 28, and you're actually going to see verse 28 and verse 32 are going to parallel each other. Uh, Really, words, uh, again, to lead them into the promised land, as God calls them in verse 28. And we talked about this last time. Be careful. Be careful. It, It requires a concerted effort. It requires a mind. It requires thought. It requires intention on your part. Be careful to what? To obey. Obey, obey. You know, we want our children to obey us. Uh, not, not to make their life a misery, but to, to train them in the things of the world, to help them delineate and differentiate things that are good and things that are bad. Please. I've, I've thought about that a lot lately because not too long ago we were with some friends and I told one of my children, you need to obey. And this other little boy, he was five or six, goes, what does that word mean? Oh. And I just think, I, I think it's pretty common that that is not what a lot of parents want today. Maybe, hopefully here, but the children know best, and we're here to only point them in their shooting star direction, not get in their path. Eh. So I just say, <laughs> I agree with you, I hope that's true here, but I think that's opposite of what our world is becoming. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's unschool and there's unparenting. So. But, God, but God is a good parent, and he does. He commands us to obey. He commands us to obey his words. That's what it says. Be careful to obey all these words that I command you. And again, again, and again, and again, and again, God lavishes good things upon his people. His intention is for our good and our well-being, and that is what he tells them over and over again. We have we have heard this in Deuteronomy. I heard somebody actually yesterday uh, talking against this, you know, this this these this book these books of death and destruction, and no, they're books of grace. Wait, talking about the Bible, N- That's books of death the Old Testament, the Old Testament. Okay. You know, people people have just blood and conquest on their mind, and God, the God of wrath. Yes, but he's a God of great grace and mercy. Long before his wrath is meted out, he doesn't just go, bam. He calls people to repent and to turn from their stubborn hearts and their own ways to follow after truth and grace. Obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you. Oh, do all that is good and right in the sight of the Lord. As we close up 
this section, he turns to idolatry. You know, God's, one of God's first warnings in the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. And how, how can a people who has seen what God did to Egypt and heard how God's promises are being, God's promises to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, have come to pass here, then turn to idols. How can this be? But, but sadly, this is a commandment that will not remain here, and we'll look at that uh, a little bit later. Uh, so uh, we'll pick up in verse 29. Uh, I'm going to start in the, in the middle here. Uh, Jeremy, would you read uh, verse 29 and 30? When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, Take care that you not be ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? That I also may do the same. Okay. So they're going to go into the land. How, how's, uh, how, how are they going to conquer the land? With God's help. With, okay. Go further. With God's help. God's going to just assist them a little bit. He's just going to take care of what they can't take care of, right? You do your best and then God will clean up the rest. That's, that's, that's a, that is not an uncommon motto in the world. You do your best, God will take care of the rest. Yeah. Is that, is that what it says? Yeah. He is. He goes before you. When the Lord cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess, they're defeated. Israel hasn't even crossed the river. They're defeated. Why? Because God says so. You know, it's like, you just go, you just go clean it up. You're going you're gonna to clean up. God doesn't call upon Israel to do the heroic. Just go do what I've asked you to do. Okay? Is that any different for us? With regard to your salvation. Oh man, you really Paul says to work out your salvation. So therefore, man, I gotta, oh, I gotta, I gotta work on it, because oh God may go, oh. Or is my salvation secure in the Lord? Secure and complete. It is. It is. Do I have to persevere? Yes. 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 Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that here a little bit later. I can't just go, ah, oh, it's complete. And I still have to... I still have to possess my salvation. I have to go in and possess my salvation. I am to persevere. I am to follow after him. I am to be obedient to him. And all of that is going to evidence the Holy Spirit in my life. 
But if it is a pain, and if it is a drudgery, and if I have no joy in the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take him myself. God's going to go in and dispossess them. All you're going to do, you're going to go in and take the land. But he warns them, when you go in, take care, in verse 30, that you not be ensnared to follow after them. God's destroying these nations. Why? Yes, we study that in Deuteronomy. Their iniquity. Uh, they are God. God has given them hundreds of years. We we saw in Genesis fifteen that the conquest was not going to happen until the iniquity of the Amorites was full. So they they've maxed out God's patience. That it's time. It's time for them to be dealt with. And so you're going to go in and dispossess them because of their foreign gods. And he warns them not to take to themselves those foreign gods. Implying that it will be an enticement to them. Why is this so? Just logically thinking about it, God must not be talking directly to the Israelites. Because if they heard God's voice, then they would know, yeah, he's the real one. I should have no issue following the foreign gods of these people that we've just defeated. There must be some disconnect between the Israelites and God so that this is actually a warning that he has to make. I would like to say that. I would like to give them as many excuses as I could. But how many heard the voice of Jesus Christ directly? And saw his miracles directly? And still... Camped by a pillar of fire. They heard him on the mountain. You know, and said, Oh, we don't want to hear anymore. You know, you go, you go intercede for us. Or lest we die there. And so... You know, they, they, they did hear. They did hear his voice. And, you know, why do some hear and embrace? Why do others hear and it just ricochets off your nugget? And apart, and this is where we see God's extraordinary work that some hear and some do not. That any hear, that any, that any, Follow after him at all. Idolatry. You know, do we not, do we not go, ooh, ooh, that looks really interesting. Ooh, how does that, how do they do that? Ooh. And, you know, look at look at their their dress. Look at their attire. Ooh, listen listen to what they say. Well, that sounds really good. You know, yeah, it's off a little bit here, but and 
And we start to just give an ear a, a little, let me, I'm just, I'm not going to worship, okay? I'm just going to examine it. And God says, don't, don't, he, that's what he says. He says, this is what they're going to do, you, so that you do not even inquire about their gods. How do these nations serve their gods? And notice that I also may do the same thing. Okay. Um, I want you to flip over to 1 John. Last chapter, last verse of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 21. Who gets there faster, the cyber Bibles or the page, page turners? Five twenty-one. Caleb, what's it say? Little children, keep yourself from idols. Whoa! This is like one of the last things written in the New Testament. One of the last things written in the New Testament, ninety A.D. John is really old at this point. And what's he say? He ends his letter by warning them, little children, keep yourselves from idols. As Paul wrote to the Roman church, flip over to Romans, last chapter of Romans. In verse 16. Romans 16. Oh, I said verse 16, didn't I? Chapter 16. At the very end of it, in verse 19, he says, Your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Okay? Um, all right. Does this mean that I am supposed to be absolutely, completely, utterly ignorant of Islam. No. Man. I'm a Middle East history major. I studied Islam. I did. And I, I have a, these, these, what, what is my intent? Am I excusing it for scholarship's sake? Ugh. Who best to preach on the dangers of Islam? Yeah. One who's come out of that. Gone. This is this is the, the evil. That was there. Um, you know, they would know and understand it best. Um, in in the military, we study Islam. Some, as we go to places where our enemy is adamant about Islam, in some ways. Okay, and so. There's a military reason in there to study such. Um, for saints, 
let us take these verses as a warning about, ooh. You know, if my heart is simply saying, ooh, I should probably flee. Unless I have an intent to be able to understand somebody and, and speak to them, speak the gospel to them in their life in that particular area. Take Paul's warnings about being you know, innocent about that which is evil and wise about that which is good. Uh, our hearts, under, just know this, know this, that your hearts will incline toward idolatry. They will. And, and God warns us in verse 31, back in Deuteronomy chapter 12, he says, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. We want to take, we want to be like the Samaritans. We want to take a little bit of our old religion and kind of sprinkle it with this, this Yahweh God thing. We want to take a little bit of Buddhism and sprinkle that in our Christianity. Maybe a little Hinduism as well. You know, let's meditate. Well, God says, no. It's called syncretism. Syncretism is we start to mingle religions when we have this idea that all religions are kind of the same and there are good things about all of them. That is not what God says. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So severe is this that God calls it abominable those things that they do you shall not worship the lord your god in that way for every abominable thing that the lord hates they have done for their gods what they do god hates he's making that clear and plain and oh he's going to go how about this for an example how bad is it they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Hmm. They even sacrifice their children. Hmm. We wouldn't do that today, would we? <laughs> let's let's do it under the auspices of the law. Well, I mean, we're not technically like not taking care of your children or just kind of letting them do their own thing. It's basically doing their own thing. You're like letting them play with fire. No, we're murdering them. We're okay. aborting them. And yep. them By the millions. We're we're murdering them. For on the altar of success and freedom and prosperity. Personal autonomy. Personal autonomy. Sexual freedom. These things, these ideas creep into the church. They do. When we do not believe that God is holy, 
when we do not believe his commandments to be true, when we do not believe that he has good intended for us. And we will build idols. And so he he concludes here in, in chapter 12. He says, reiterates, again, as I mentioned, uh, verse 28. So therefore, everything I command you, everything that I command you, be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take away from it. We've talked about that before as well. Very important that if I say, thus saith the Lord... That, thus saith the Lord, that he did say that. I can't say God commands something that he didn't command. That is a dangerous thing as a preacher or a teacher of your children or your friends. I've got to go, what does God's word say? Okay, so I can't add to it. Neither can I take this page and go I don't like that one that's the Old Testament that's at Deuteronomy you know trying to read Deuteronomy Ah, you know I don't like judges Ah, well rip it out no I can't I can't take away from it this is God's word to us And we should delight in it, in all of it. And so, what I'd like to do now, you know, you kind of go, well, okay, it's kind of an end. What I'd like to do is look back at what brought us really to this point here and ultimately where it's going to go for the rest of Deuteronomy. Yeah, I wish I'd showed up. Um, so Israel, the, the, the whole point of Deuteronomy, as, as we've talked about, is what? Do you remember what, why, why Deuteronomy? Why don't, why don't we just... I mean, we've got, we've got Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers to really give us the law. Okay. Remember what Deuteronomy means? Second telling. Second telling. The second telling. Okay. Again, so everything's sort of been told once. And everything that we've read about largely has been opened up before in Exodus, Leviticus, or Numbers. We do see as Moses tells the people, we see God's love and God's desire that they love him in return just just shown. Why is there a need for a second telling? A new generation. Yes. It's a new generation. Um, it's it is it is a sad thing. It is it's a sad state of affairs. You know, we're we're one generation away from like nobody knowing the Lord. 
I mean, you, you look back to the 40s and 50s of the 1900s, where almost everybody was a Christian, and two generations later, and state houses across the country, politicians are stating that we are a secular nation. And they're right, we are a secular nation. Because more and more we are a secular people and a God-less people. We have no foundation anymore. And so here the, the, the fathers that rebelled in the wilderness in Numbers 14 have died off. And now the children who largely, many of them saw the miracles in Egypt uh, saw God's provision at Sinai, saw God's provision in the wilderness. They are now on the, oh, further up to the north, be over here. Here's Jerusalem. I'm going to block it. Jerusalem right there. They're over on the plains just across from Jericho. So they've come up across through Edom and Moab, and we've read about the conquests that were there. So they're, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And Moses is, is retelling the journey. This is what God did. This is what God did. This is what we did. This is what God did. Over and over again. Um, about how God brought them out of Egypt. About their rebellion in the wilderness. About victory over kings. About a call to obedience. God alone, the Ten Commandments reiterated, reiterates the Ten Commandments in full to them. And takes them to the greatest commandment in chapter 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And you will teach this to your children. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You will teach this to your children. You must indoctrinate your kids. You must teach them right and wrong. I mean, nobody wants to see their child put their hand to a stove and learn that lesson themselves. In chapter 10, verse 16... God makes plain to them that what he wants from them is a new heart, a different heart. I don't want your rote obedience. I want the stubbornness of your heart changed, a circumcised heart that they would love and serve the Lord God. That whole section in there, verses 12 through 21 the word love just drips from the pages. Verse 15, the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. Verse 18, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and he loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, you are to love the sojourner. Verse, chapter 11, verse 1, you shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his statutes. And so here on the plains before they are to go in and take possession, take 
Go in and take possession. Essentially, I've set up all the dominoes. All I want you to do is push them over. Okay? All you got to do is push the domino over. And it'll take care of itself. But you must do what I've asked you to do. Okay? Now, that's, that's where we've been. Looking ahead in Deuteronomy, chapter 13 through 26, what you have is life and worship. You have lots of little nuggets in 13 through 26 of what is also spoken in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. About how they are to, you know, it talks about uh, rituals, temple rituals, their, uh, um, the feasts that they are to keep, clean and unclean foods reiterated, uh, legal decrees, uh, marrying, laws for warfare. Very interesting section on warfare in there. And for, for those who are of, of a military mind. So essentially 13 through 26, you have snippets of what has already been shared, maybe with a, a little bit more or a slightly different exposition. But it's, it's nothing extraordinary. Okay, just talking about different sections, which is why we're stopping here on the cusp of, of verse 13. Or, sorry, chapter 13. In chapter 27 and 28, we, we touched on those as we saw the commandment to go to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim to pronounce blessings and curses. So that when they go into the promised land, they are to understand and they are to declare it essentially to one another, half of the, half of the tribes of Israel on Mount Ebal and half of the tribes on Mount Gerizim, that to follow after the Lord is going to bring blessing. To not follow after the Lord is going to bring curses. It's like grabbing somebody by the ears, looking them in the eyes and go, are you clear on this point? Are you clear? Do you understand? Do you comprehend? Chapter 32 and 30, or excuse me, chapter 31 is the commissioning of Joshua to lead Israel uh, into the promised land. Chapter 32 and 33, we see Moses' song and Moses' blessing. And in chapter 34 is the death of Moses. So Deuteronomy, as we look at it, the first 12 chapters look back into the promised land, or excuse me, look back into Egypt and they're coming out and how they ultimately got to this point. <clears throat> what now? Obey all of my words. Go in and do what I've asked. Looking forward, 13 through the rest, we see how that is supposed to flesh out for Israel. Okay, Go in and possess it. Now, what about us? You know, as, as we look ahead, really from this point, not, not on the east side of the Jordan River, but from where we stand in our relationships uh, today with Jesus Christ, what is our relationship to Israel? 
how can we see parallels uh, for us in the situation of Israel? And I'd like to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And you'll see why study Deuteronomy fleshed out. First Corinthians chapter 10. Katie, would you read verses uh, 1 through 5, please? I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them... God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Whoa. Whoa. Who's Paul writing this to? Corinthians. A a church. He's writing it to a church. Notice what he's saying. All of them, all of them, all of, all of Israel came out. All of them were under the cloud. All of them ate manna. All of them drank water from the rock. Were they all God's children? Yes. No. No. They were all his creatures. They were not all his children. Korah and Dathan rebelled against him. And they died for it. Many grumbled and died for it. Many ate the blessings and died. In the church... Is everyone in the church part of the church? No. No. This is sobering. I take communion. I was baptized. Great. Good. So we do those things in obedience and following after our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I've heard the gospel. I believe it. I believe it. Are you saved? I can't say. John wants us to have confidence. I write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. The whole gospel of John at the end, he says the same thing. That you may know you have eternal life. But that eternal life, again, does not make you sit back and go, Oh, great. That eternal life spurs you to follow hard after the Lord and to persevere. To do what he has called us to do. I don't sit on the east side of the Jordan River and go, great, man. We got the promised land. No, I've got to go in and possess it. If I rebel in my heart against him, if I am his, he will discipline me to correction. 
He promises that. With most of them, God was not pleased. 6 through 10. Emma, would you read 6 through 10, please? First uh, Corinthians 10, where we were. Six through ten, please, of First Corinthians ten. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and were justified. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and twenty three thousand fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did okay these things these things what the Old Testament were written down as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did that we might not go into our culture and go ooh ooh hey ooh To be intrigued by, oh, let me try that. Let me, let me incorporate that into my life. God desires his people to be holy. To be separate. In the world, not of the world. We're not to be in a monastery. We're to be the boat in the water. Okay, we are out in the water. But you put water in the boat, the boat sinks. Verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So, you know, think about... Think about your life in relationship to Israel. Were you once a slave? Absolutely. You may still be and not know it. Okay? Um, you may have been released from slavery, but you may like the feel of those shackles. You may be a believer, but you may keep going back and putting those shackles back on because they're familiar to you. God calls you to put them off, to put off the sin that so easily entangles and to fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So you were once in slavery. And... I mean, some of, you, some of you may have come to Christ at a, so young an age that your life of rebellion may be not much to think back on. But some of us um, know what it's like to live contrary to the Lord and the ugliness that that brings and the darkness and the consequences that that can have. So, all of us,
stand before the promised land. So what are you going to do? Every day we have a choice to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength or follow our own flesh. Follow our own way in everything I do. Whether I eat or whether I drink or whatever I do, I'm supposed to do all in what manner? To the glory of God. All. Do all to the glory of God. Do we have a loophole and an exception? And and we we know there should be no choice. As as much as I I look at at Israel coming out of Egypt and go, a bunch of knuckleheads. All I got to do is go look in the mirror. Really? Do you not? I mean, think of the own, think of your sin in your life, your particular pets. And go look in the mirror. Would not other people go, are you an idiot? Really? God has feasting for you? And and you're playing in, in the pig pen? Why? So we have a choice. That really should be no choice at all. So to consider our relationship really with Israel. Um, second thing, looking ahead. Deuteronomy's rich. And the rest of Deuteronomy is rich too. And if you haven't read it with this foundation, I encourage you to keep going in that. There. But all of God's word reflects God to us. It's God's voice to us. It is God's voice to us. And for those who believe you have been given the Holy Spirit that you might understand and commune with the living God so that if you go, I don't get it, you go, I don't get it. And he gives you wisdom. And it may not be a supernatural wisdom. It may be a wisdom simply by asking somebody else who knows the word of God in the church. The church, oh, by the way, is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit uniting us together. And so to ask somebody else, I don't get this, and have them expound on it to you, God will give us his wisdom. In his word. It should be our desire. Um, the last thing really. To, that I, I'd like to leave you with is. There's no place for pride. No place for pride. In your life with Christ. There is no place for pride. Um, Israel complained and they grumbled despite what God said he would do. 
they did not trust him. They, they put themselves over God instead of in submission to him. They would grow complacent and thankless in their inheritance. They would forget God and his word in their pride. In humility, I must cling to Christ. I must abide with Christ. Apart from him, I can do nothing. And as I, weak man that I am, run this race, I need to exhort and encourage my brothers and sisters. You know, some, some of the best encouragers in a race, in a running race, are those who don't run very fast. You know, somebody goes, oh, I keep going to you, all right, way to go. You know, and they're just trucking on, and you just, you know, you went blown right by them. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you feel like in the church, you're, you know, you're just a knee, and you're not a mouthpiece or not. You can be a great encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I've stumbled before in the past. Yeah, haven't we all? And so we keep on. Well, I keep being beset by this sin. Yeah, who isn't? But I keep on, I persevere. I press on to the goal. And I hope, I hope the study in Deuteronomy has been an encouragement to, to believe Believe what he says and go do what he has called you to do. In your home, in the church, in your place of work, amongst your friends. You guys, what do you got? Any takeaways from the study? Any final thoughts? Uh, I was thinking about the beginning part where it says don't, don't even ask about it. I was thinking like you're walking into a new land they're walking in whole families coming in to take over, and there's just ruined temples everywhere. Their children and their wives are with them. And it's like, even if they feel secure about it, like, if you're asking about this, you're going to hear things you don't want to hear, that you don't need to hear, and then that your children are hearing. And I, would, I, would, I see that's definitely probably a portal where these, of disobedience there, where these idols started coming back, where just a little bit of curiosity, because I know, like, just a, a comical example, but we... Our kids watched uh, the King of Egypt movie, mm -hmm. whatever, or was that the Prince one? of Egypt. Prince of Egypt, yeah. and it was just funny because our son was like, "But what if Ra is the one true God?" You know, he was like, "Is he three or maybe three? <laughs> he was yeah. three, you know." And like, but that was yeah. like when he was laying in bed, he was weighing the, he's weighing both gods out yeah. in, in, in his head. And I think about like, and then well, how did they practice? And then the amount of evil things being put in in their head at that time, yeah. and. Uh, you were talking about the church declining over the last 50 years, but I don't know, like that, like how these things creep back in, like yeah. not being clear about them, or uh, it's generationally creeps in, just like all those kept creeping back in. How often do you have to have your wheels aligned on your car? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you go never, you go. Ooh. <laughs> What's that? You, know, you, you gotta get your wheels balanced. You gotta get them. You gotta check the inflation. Constant tune up. Constant tune up. What else? 
you know, my Facebook circles of Valhalla, you know, the warrior, yeah. the warrior god. So that's kind of, you know, they, they have this persona of what you want to be. That's where it can be dangerous, I yeah. think. All right, next week it's going to get different. It's going to be really different. We're going to look at Titus, uh, essentially uh, foundational work and just the opening greeting to Titus. So if you want to try and figure out who Titus is before uh, next week, that'd be great. It'll take you a whopping 15 minutes, maybe, if you're a slow reader, to read through the entire letter. Please let me exhort each of you to take that 15 minutes at some point this week to read it at least once that would be groovy and then uh, here's a challenge for you see how many times you can find Titus in the book of Acts